And welcome to the Life Support Live podcast, the weekly podcast that explores how Star Trek can help us to boldly go in our own lives to better ourselves and the rest of humanity. As a famous starship captain once said, and as another famous starship captain also once said, the one with the new series on the way, wherever our mission takes us, We'll try to have a little fun along the way. Always, always. That's the goal. Hi, everyone. I'm psychologist Dr. Ali Matu. And I'm Dr. Trek, Larry Nimacek. One of us is a real doctor. And we'll leave it to you to decide who that is. <laughs> hey, every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, we record this show live on Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook with our audience joining in and rebroadcast here as a podcast. If you'd like to join us live, check out the links in the show notes. And now, let's engage with our regularly scheduled program, Already in Progress. Technology and mental health is the okay. theme this week. and That's we good, because that's the one yeah. I prepared for. Yay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes it produces a lot of stress, and sometimes it produces a lot of connection. So, folks, let us know. What's your favorite episode from Star Trek that shows some kind of theme related to technology and mental health? Let us know in the comments below. Larry, my guess is we're going to get a lot. Now, do you mean lot. like the neural neutralizer going woo-woo-woo on your head, sure. or do you mean... More broad-based. I'm talking, let's go neuro-neutralizers. Um, mm. I'm also talking, like, pads. And, you know, um, maybe uh, I'm inundated with email. Have you seen some of these Starfleet captains and how many pads they have on their desks? There, there <laughs> must be a strong <laughs> impact on their mental health. There's so many ways that we can take this. My prediction is there's going to be a lot of holodeck uh, comments from our lovely community over here, but you know we've got we've got a, a few tricks uh, up our sleeves for episodes we want to dive into mm -hmm. today. So, folks, we want to hear from you. Let us know in the comments what are your favorite episodes. We're going to be talking about um, a lot of different topics today. This is such a broad topic, and um, Larry, yes. where yes, would it you? Is. Yeah. <laughs> where... <laughs> Where? I hope it's not too broad, but yes, after I started thinking about it, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had a fun time preparing for this one because I, I brought up some ideas and Larry's like, really? Okay, I guess, yeah, that is technology and mental health. So it's going to be, um, we're going to have a fun time with this. Um, well, because Larry, actually what I thought we meant at the beginning is what you said, well, we'll do that as another topic later. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that narrower thread, which we could still do, we'll do that later. So, yay. Let's good. go big. All... Keep that funnel big, and then we'll and then we'll come down here. Um, yeah. Larry, where would you like to start our uh, our journey? This well, let's week? start te technology and mental health on what it is like when you wake up and there's a new edition of your app waiting for you as you're about to go live. On. <laughs> That's a little stressor right there. Yeah, <laughs> which is what happened uh, well, to us. Folks, the thing. So we're, uh, we're having a little is... choppy time. This is this is really pretty broad, and oh, things cleared up on my end. Maybe they'll clear up for you. Um, this is really broad because here's the thing: a, a lot of our topics break down this way. There's there's like the individual, you know, it's like the old man versus nature, man versus man, man versus. Um, there's like versus the individual effect, but then there's also the social effect. Like, so I I can think of technology and and broad technology like almost yeah. as a social movement technology or like specific pieces of technology and then 
affecting a broad society or like the individual, you know, I mean, like you can go, there's four permutations right there. So I, I like to keep it individualistic, but I think, uh, I'll like the way we talk about social media and live streaming. It's a social thing affecting a lot of people broadly. And also the fact that sometimes when it's a new technology, the effects, good and bad, creep up on a population before yeah, a lot of really unintended understood. consequences. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. Right. Um, it makes me think of um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but um, why not? Because usually I'm behind. Um, it makes me if anyone's seen the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma, um, it's uh, it's a great interview with a variety of people who have made some of the technology that dominates our life. Uh, our lives now, but they have an interview with the with the person who invented the like button, who says, um, "You know, we invented it thinking we were going to spread positively positivity throughout the planet uh-huh. that people are just going to be liking things and it's going to be spreading just good cheer. We had no idea the consequences on mental health of how people would be posting pictures." For the likes, and if they don't get enough likes, they would delete that photo of themselves. Or not getting en- enough likes would make them, uh, would uh, influence the way they thought of how ugly they are, or of uh, political polarization. So a lot of unintended consequences. I mean, that's... I know engineers, the ma- they love to change things. <laughs> I'm a doctor, Larry, not an engineer, but I can't talk about the mental health implications here i mean that that sounds like a lot of the original series what we're talking about here is unintended consequences of big technology that feels like every original series episode that features um technology yes yes well like you said it's almost every when you're under pressure to use the back lot because it's cheap <laughs> and the costumes that that underscores a lot of the you know the, one of the tropes of the original series is going to the you know the Roman planet the Nazi planet the gangster planet um, right the gangster and, planet. <laughs> and uh, and it was so ir- well uh, I, some of the things I got around to we were I was trying to think of some of the latter series uh, and and about this aspect and um, and there's they're there but anyway when you go to the original series. I started off anyway, and I know we got we go down the individualistic rabbit hole, but I was trying to think about big effects on big numbers of people, and mm-hmm. one of the things that came to mind is the image I sent you was uh, was good old a taste of Armageddon, because if we're we're talking about social media, but in that culture they were so afraid of war that they let one consequence affect another which is they would still gladly go die if it meant they were keeping this phony peace going you know using computer algorithms uh to figure out who should go die so they can you know look like they're the two plant vendicar and the mini r3 um attacking each other and they didn't want to have it be big and bomby and messy so they just individually people just volunteered to go to um i forget the name of the chamber but you know and that was really sick and twisted. And good old Kirk comes in to say, well, have a bloody war and maybe you'll stop it. <laughs> Which I know that it's interesting reading uh, newer eyes to Star Trek talking about, it. my God, what was the what was the point of the prime director? They broke it. Well, the prime director wasn't invented until late first season. But uh, yes, exactly. But there you go. Um, but that's a yeah. case where that culture had. Um, uh, Kirk has that speech about, the, but the culture lives on. Um, 
that's in the bloopers. But it's it's that thing. It's like what is the effect culture wide on you people? And we're going to work on these individuals and this big, easily targeted computer box. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, th- this episode was uh, one of the first ones we identified in our in our prep for this because I I wanted to really talk about the the impact that algorithms have on our daily life and like in a taste of Armageddon the algorithms are uh, they're kind of running in the background having this profound effect on society and um, uh, that's happening to us but. For us, it, it might be a bit more invisible. You don't see this giant box, this giant computer box. So one example I'll give is um, every well, you, time you, you open... What's if that? you watch The Social Network, you might see a representation of it. But yeah. Yeah, The Social Dilemma. Um, the Social, social Dilemma, dilemma yeah. does... does Yeah, it, it's, it's very much like a TOS episode, the way they visualize it. But when you open up your um, any social media platform, most of them they algorithmically display posts. Um, in the olden days, the olden days meaning like 10 years ago, um, they they displayed posts based on who you're connected to and the most recent posts. And as you scroll down, you get to the older posts. Well, now what happens is, Larry, if, if I post a, let's say, a status update or a link or a photo, um, Facebook, Twitter, all of the different social media platforms, TikTok... They share it with a small group of people. They look to see, are these people engaging with it? And based upon that, they share it with a wider group of people. And if it's not highly performing, that post is not shared. And Facebook has experimented with this in in sometimes ethically dubious ways where um, they've looked to see, can they actually manipulate the way people feel? based upon the status updates that they post. Um, and they actually were uh, very much able to influence how sad, how happy you felt based upon displaying other sad or happy updates. So these algorithms that actually have a pretty profound effect on how you feel, on political political beliefs. Um, we can talk about YouTube and... Um, if you just sometimes, depending on the video that you watch, the YouTube algorithm can feed you more and more of that content. And this has been pretty well documented. It can become more and more extreme in its views, whether those are extreme views about Star Trek, extreme views about politics, it's, extreme view. It's really a digital, uh, uh, like rumination. Isn't that a word you yeah. use in mental health? Yes. Yeah. It's like yeah, going yeah. down the rabbit hole digitally. Churning. Yes. Churning and churning on thoughts over and over again without any outside input. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, it's can be quite dangerous. And these algorithms are having a profound impact on, I have, I have someone in my family, Larry, who, um, over the course of the last five years, um, their political views have become quite extreme. And it's largely because of YouTube and it's, it's the type of content that they fell into. And the people who are most vulnerable for this are the people who are a bit more alone and isolated. And um, they can sometimes get connected to the very, very dangerous communities online. So these algorithms, in a small way, based on what you see on Facebook, but in a big way too, um, in terms of politics, the Brazilian um, political changes that happened over the past few years, a lot of um, 
researchers have pointed to YouTube and the the polarization that um but thank the God that's all dying away now. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so a taste of Armageddon is a really, really, really great parallel to the way, um, these algorithms play out in our daily lives. And, and we have no idea, Larry. We don't, we don't see it at all. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, we're just now, <clears throat> we're just now becoming savvy to it. It's only been the last two or three or four years. I mean, I think it was the 2016 election that turned a lot of people on to, yeah. You know, realizing uh, the the you know the devil in the details or whatever, what was underneath the surface here. Just the same yeah. way, every I go back, I I compare social media a lot as a social effect to the A bomb because one of my favorite, mm. the first documentary I was ever like, oh my, the documentary had a big effect on me is the Atomic Cafe, and it's somewhere between tragicomic and bittersweet and insanely crazy and starkly scary. But they talk about the A-bomb in not just as a defensive weapon in global diplomacy and the Cold War, but the effect it had on people's popular psyche and how it went from, ooh, everything that was, you know, cool and neat and new and hot was atomic, you know, and all mm -hmm. the silly, you know, the songs and the movies and all that into as it sunk into people and had an effect on, you know, the B-movies, the sci-fi B-monster movies, and then through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and, you know, all the way to uh, the day after and all that. And the pop culture end of it to show daily, you know, everything from military training films to commercials to songs of different era. Anyway, it was just really and and the the real world going by behind it. It was all made up from clips and songs and and, and you name it, and uh, people's evolving thoughts and people being stressed out by it and you know everyday Joe, you know, being you know and duck and cover and all that. So anyway, but it took. 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and it was an evolving reaction to it. And finally, by the 80s and 90s, you know, the anti-nukes movement came, and even Reagan talked to Gorbachev about it. And um, and then, Chernobyl. You know, then so, yeah, Chernobyl, Chernobyl had a big, had a big uh, well, Three Mile there. Island, but uh, you know, yeah. and those books were yeah. even the end of the. This was made in 82, so actually Chernobyl was after this, and Three Mile Island had just barely happened. So yeah. anyway, that's to me that's a that's a that's a classic case of. The technology happens, and even people at the beginning, it was like, oh, it's our savior weapon. It saved all these lives from, you know, the super weapon that we didn't have to do, we didn't have to go conventionally with. And then people saw, well, maybe that was, you know, they were both bad. It was a Sophie's choice, but it wasn't like this clean super weapon and clean power and all that. But the effect took a while to roll over the population. So, and that's what I see social media as the beginning. It was like, yeah. Oh look, I can, we can plan our class reunion and I can talk to grandma. Yeah. And, and, and then it was like, Oh, and at who's, at what cost? You know. Yeah. This is, um, data as a, I, I think that's, that's, that's I, I think that's a really great, uh, parallel here, Larry. Um, the, the atomic, um, developments of the 20th century and social media, of the 21st century, um, I'm going to reference the social Ooh. dilemma again. Um, the, the social dilemma references a science fiction <laughs> author. I'm blanking on the name of that person, but the, the quotation is, um, you know, with technology, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but, um, with technology, it's going to be very unclear if we're headed towards a utopia or a dystopia until right about, uh, the now. finish line. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, you take atomic power and there are 
incredible benefits to society in terms of the power that's being able that's created for a population if the waste can be managed effectively mm-hmm. it's it's an incredible largely safe source of power chernobyl was a more of a psychological disaster um in, in terms of the causes of it now it had a huge environmental and human uh disaster yes um but the things that caused it was that that was a psychological error and a psychological problem that happened in in terms of how groups work together. But nuclear power can be a very safe, largely clean mm-hmm. source of power. At the same time, there's massive destructive ability of nuclear bombs. And the technology is is very similar. Very much the same way with social media. Social media, there's so many wonderful things that have come out of it in terms of um, the friends I've made, the people I've connected with, um, our quick ability to send a message that can somehow reach millions of people. And at the same time, was humanity ever set up for no eye contact, written contact right. with millions of people? No, we we evolved in a way in which we interacted face to face with small groups yeah. of people. Right. So at least that's um, the way you say we created. No, we were. That's how we evolved too. That's how and, we evolved. Yeah. Now we're evolving, and we're, it's probably happening at a faster pace than it used but, to. But, but. And that's the problem. Is like we have a <laughs> we do not evolve as quickly as our technology. And um, we evolve very slowly. Uh, nature moves a little bit slower than, than technology does. And, um, and the other part of this, Larry, and this gets to sort of cancel culture and all of that. Um, you know, and then we should we, probably like mention some episodes again sometime. Yeah, we should. L- let me mention this last thing and we'll transition back to Star Trek. And uh, the comments is yes. know, there are so many, um, so it's many. Been a great, um, keep talking because it's been a great time yeah. for me to catch up in the chat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one so last thing I'll say is uh, another challenge we're running into is what now happens when um, folks like you and I in hanging out here in California can now immediately have a conversation with someone in uh, South America and Australia and Asia. And how do we navigate the different languages, <laughs> the cultures? the complete different perspectives on life when we're having a conversation online. I posted um, this this comment on... Um, Did you on, make a cultural faux pas? Well, I, made a, I ran into a cultural thing where um, I made this joke on Twitter about how um, in America, POC can mean people of color, but it can also mean um, a point of... Uh, or person... Uh, oh man, now I'm going to butcher my, my own joke. But basically the, the whole thing is, um, I ran it, I, I was in a meeting online for work where I thought someone said POC meaning, um, I thought they meant a person of color. They meant point of contact. And that person said, we need, uh, we only need one POC on this. And I'm like, well, but there's, you're a POC. I'm a POC. Should I leave? And they're like, no, no, you shouldn't leave, but I'm the POC. You're not the POC. And now I'm like, wait, do they not think I'm a person of color? <clears throat> and so it was this very much like who's on, who's on uh, base mm-hmm. kind of situation, right? And I posted, um, or who's on first? I posted on Twitter about this. 
and it kind of started uh, a little bit of conflict because someone you went, to, you went to Twitter before you realized what it was about, or after you? No, realized? I went to Twitter once I realized, and oh. I'm sort of asking people when you hear POC, what do, what comes up for you? And someone in Europe said, like, that's a very hateful term. I would never say person of color. Um, and so this mm. this gets to like. The problem with humanity when we have different cultures and different perspectives and different language, and now we're suddenly all thrown together. So let me stop if right man, there because I've mentioned so much stuff. If man were meant to instantaneously communicate globally, he'd have wings. Oh, wait. Wrong. Okay. <laughs> Boy, that sounds very familiar, Larry. I yeah. I feel like yeah, you're, you're referencing, uh, you're referencing something. something I like. Let's go to the comments for a section, uh, for yeah. a moment, Larry. Seems like well, you I'm are. Kinds of things. And you know, we've only mentioned one episode. Just to <laughs> We've say. only mentioned one episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of this. Because part of this, and we're going to be at this all day, or at least the full two hours, because Someone did kind of define the category broadly here, but uh, there are tons. Of, yes, the whole part, the original series is all about that. Um, but uh, any, yeah, any of your planets run by the supercomputer, whether it looks, you know, organic or or whatever, an, uh, analogish or whatever, is is there. So a lot of people are mentioning some of the ones, and I and I guess you're on a boycott of showing imagery. But um, no, I showed it. I showed your image. Did you show the ultimate computer? I mean, did you yes. show uh, yes. Taste of Armageddon? Well, you can't see right now, remember, because of the the update. You can't. Oh see wow, what I I'm can't. Uh, but there, it's. I'm putting it up again, but you can't. You can't see it. Okay, I, I would thought, never I boycott your image. Split screen after we went to. Wow, I can't hear the music now. I can't see the split screen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah. Wow. We got a lot of subspace okay. interference. So everybody, when I'm ignoring me. your comments. That he posts, I'm not seeing. I see the original. Yeah, I see the. I'm not seeing seeing squat. Um, No, but I mean, there's so yeah. The easy a lot of people have mentioned, and the one that came to mind uh, from original series was um, uh, Hollow Pursuits, which is an easy one, which combines the ability. You know, we have addictions, but oh, now look, now we've got technology to amplify your option for addictions. (laughs) <laughs> and I love the uh, the image I'm putting up here is Barkley in Hollow Pursuits and uh, and Jean Luc as the um, um, three Musketeers kind of yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do we want to get into this? Uh, in and I mean Barkley has come up a lot in the comments here. And Gosh. But, you know, I also think, I mean, you also can think, and it wasn't typical, it was alien-derived, but nth degree is the same thing. And then and yeah. then his, his ability to project a hologram, even on Voyager, he's able to make contact with them, and then he injects himself into the crew and, and is attached to that crew, you know, kind yeah. of, you know, good for them that he's doggedly working on their case, but it's kind of not the healthiest thing for him, apparently. But that's, that's, that's broccoli. So. That's broccoli. So the, what I want to say about this, and, and we can we can do a deeper, we can do a much deeper dive into into Barkley because I think Barkley, um, <laughs> I have a lot of criticisms about Bar- um, Barkley, but I also have a lot of love for um, Barkley. Hold on. Oh, plexing. I, oh, I hate which had nothing to do with stuff. him. It was you know. He... <laughs> Oh man, um, we should do a whole episode uh, called uh, "Ali Hates Plexing." Um, but what's yeah? What I, when it comes to um, holodeck 
uh, quote unquote addiction. And the parallel here with video games now, I think before it was also a parallel to TV and film um, addiction and all of this. Larry, we're, we're wired for connection. We're wired for connection with people. And when we don't have enough of that, sometimes we can get connected to things or situations or experiences. And what most people think of addiction is really just that, is you're struggling with connection. And what we see with uh, Barkley is he is a rather um, a lonely person and um, and things it, it, things go up and down over the course of his life, as we see in Voyager and briefly see in First Contact. But um, he when we see him most struggling with his relationship to the holodeck, he is largely alone and isolated mm-hmm. and um when it comes to um, some addictive problems we've seen, um, a lot of um, the early research on addiction, um, there's, uh, if you look at Vietnam uh, War veterans who are coming back from the war, many of them became addicted to, um, uh, to drugs when they were in Vietnam, when they're under um, heavy combat situations, right. most veterans coming back from the war, as they reintegrated with families and friends, most of those addictions completely disappeared. Now, some continue to struggle, and that could be for a variety of reasons. They had a hard time integrating back. Um, it could be because of... Um, well, the PTSD took PTSD, over. PTSD, so that was the other thing. And and yeah. the drug use actually continued as a way of dealing with that. But the vast majority of people, um, the drug use uh, ended. And there was no addiction. And a lot of uh, the early research on, on animals, um, there were researchers who got um, animals addicted to, um, to things like cocaine. And where they gave them the ability to feed themselves um, drugs, and they found that um, the the rats would uh, would overdose. Well, it, it took a few decades, but then re- um, some scientists went back to look at those rats and found that these rats were only in a cage where that was the only thing you could do. And they created what they called a, a Disneyland for rats, where they had. Um, they could socialize. They could run on the wheel and exercise. Splash Mountain. Splash uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They could the tiki do room. Yeah. the tiki, 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 tiki room. Oh, that makes me want to get what's it called? A um, the the pineapple drink. Um, uh huh. Yeah. The tiki room. The, it was the Dole pineapple. Whatever. The Dole Whip. The Dole Whip. Makes me want to get a Dole Whip. Anyways, they made this Disneyland for the um, for the rats, but still gave them the opportunity to have the drug. And when they created an engaging environment, most of the rats, they didn't go for the drug use. So again, we're wired for connection. And when we don't get enough of that from people, we might be vulnerable to getting that from things, experiences, or substances. So that's really what's happening with uh, with. Barkley, there isn't anything and linking that to screens there's nothing unique about screens and screen time or video games that can make them um 
particularly yeah. addictive. But when we don't have enough connection, yeah, sometimes we might um, get most of that from from these different things and these different experiences. Well, Lieutenant, too much of anything, even love, isn't necessarily a good thing. Again, Larry, you're quoting something that sounds pretty good to me. It sounds mm-hmm. pretty good to me. Uh, that's fine. It's no triple at all. Okay. <laughs> I see what you did no, there. But we have so many episodes, so many people. But, and again, this thing is so multifaceted. Yeah, it's like three-fourths of all Star Trek episodes, I think, could fit into this. Yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. They, do was, feature, they do tend to feature technology in Star Trek, I've noticed. Okay. And, and then they apply it to create some kind of artificial dramatic situation that has to be resolved by the end of the hour, huh. or at least by the end of the silly little mini streaming season. Who knew? What a, what a concept. It's, what it's a almost concept. like a self-contained, uh, uh-huh. episodic journey. No, no, that's something yeah. else. Um, <laughs> so yes, and the other, I mean, there's so many, but another classic one from TNG is, duh, the game, which everybody. Ah, uh, let's talk so. about the game. But that was the, you know, talk about activating the pleasure centers and, and, uh, you know, I went through a, I went through a decade, not for myself, but for other people where I had to learn all about all the things involved with ADHD. And that's when I, oh, brain chemistry. Oh, okay. The pleasures, you know, um, and now I've gone blank on them, but you know, I keep wanting to say norepinephrine, but that's a drug, not a neurochemical. Uh, The idea of neurochemicals and, um, and addictions tapping them or other things tapping. Where you live on that, or you don't live on it, and and um, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the game is is uh is wonderful for a lot of reasons. Um, it's like so, weaponized mental health. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think um things like the Candy Crush, social um, networks can be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um absolutely. So whether it is a social network or uh, in social media, or it's things like Candy Crush. Or maybe World of Warcraft. What a lot of these experiences get very good at is um, giving you that um, that reinforcing hit of uh, of of pleasure right when you need it. And um, things like Candy Crush, they got very good at predicting when are people leaving the game and what to provide them. To give them that pleasure dose so that they come back that, in. That last um, iota, which is what the social right. network or uh, social uh, dilemma gets into. Yeah. You see them, that, yeah. that, that goofy little dramatization. They let, they let people, oh no, he's about to leave. Oh no, quick, what'll, what'll, you know, quick, what will right. <laughs> reel them back in? What is our nuclear right. option to keep them here? And yeah. Right. Bang. Yeah. I mean, one of the ways in which Facebook really hacked its growth is it allowed, um, people, people to upload photos and tag someone else, even if they weren't on Facebook. And mm-hmm. so you would then receive an email that said, Hey, Larry has posted a photo of you on Facebook, but it wouldn't show you what the photo is. And you would have to go online and create an account to see it. So it was really, um, anticipation and pleasure are very connected in, in our, in our brain. It's usually the anticipation of something pleasurable that is more um, hooking than the actual payoff itself. And like, who isn't going to join an account 
uh, or create an account to find out, well, what did Larry post about me? I, I need to know this. I need to know what he's saying. What, what image is it? It's the same thing as LinkedIn having the, uh, you know, who searched for you online? Oh, yeah. But you have to pay for the premium level to get that. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 42 Um, people pinged you. Who are they? You have to pay to get that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a business model and that's how they're making their money. Okay. But on my end of it, that's, yeah. It's, it's manipulating, um, it's manipulating your thoughts and your feelings for Mm -hmm. business purpose. Uh, we all feel this. Well, then it must be okay then. (laughs) <laughs> I think there's a good Kurt a speech here too, uh, that you might be able to, to, to pull out of your hat. Um, I mean, we all feel this, Larry, that if we map on your, um, your pleasure with Star Trek watching, usually the, the, the highest point of that pleasure, it's going to be right before it starts. And so all day you're kind of building anticipation of that new episode. And usually your pleasure is going to be right before um, you press play is the highest point. And a lot of these technologies uh, manipulate that to um, to hook you in. The other thing that video games do really well and the game is a perfect example of this. Um, they engineer what's called flow. So flow states are when time f- goes by very quickly. I always quickly. think of Alice when you mention flow, but that's dating me. But go ahead. Alice from Jetsons? No, Alice from the series Alice. Oh, Alice oh. doesn't. I thought you were going to say Brady Bunch. And flow was kiss my grits. Flow, but go ahead. That's not what you yeah. mean. Just I am not picking up on those references at all. I I, uh, I thought you were going Brady Bunch, and no, um, no. okay. All right. And Vera um, with the straws. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so, um, uh, flow states. This is when time goes by very quickly. You're very absorbed in what you're doing. Um, mm-hmm. Your ability is very much meeting the challenge of the task. So sometimes we experience flow when we read a book. Sometimes we experience flow when we're watching a good movie. Sometimes we experience flow when in we're work. doing... In work. Yeah. Exactly. When um, I, I very much experience flow when I teach. I love teaching. Um, sometimes we experience it uh, when we're live streaming and then uh, technology might break down and that flow state is completely and gone. And we, we go for 20 minutes without mentioning an episode. Uh, right, right. It, it's usually is when... This, is this the same thing as hyper-focus? Because I hear... A, a lot of the, the research I had to wind up doing talks about that. It's like you're in yeah. a, and sometimes that's great. You're in the you're in the zone yes. is O'Brien and, and yes. yeah. But yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not helping anything, you're just stuck. It's just totally not totally for good. Yeah. Yeah, 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 totally. Um and um uh you mentioned attention deficit uh disorder earlier and we can kind of draw some parallels there with, with certain states, but flow is usually it's usually something you don't realize you're in until it's done because you're so absorbed in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And video games, um and as you see in the game, are very good at engineering flow states. Um, you take the original Mario Brothers. The first stage introduces you to how the game works, the jumping mechanics. You get the mushroom, you get, you get the mushroom very early, and then you get bigger. That's a big hit of, uh, of pleasure right there. And then you learn how the game works. The second stage introduces a little bit more complexity. The next stage introduces a little bit more complexity. And every video game, every good video game is very good at um, getting you quickly absorbed and um, creating these flow states. And the game shows you that. The game, like, moving that disc into the funnel mm-hmm. thing 
At first, it's very easy. You learn the basics of it, but it gets harder and harder and harder. Um, and they, they engineer flow and, um, Sometimes some people might struggle with that. If, uh, if again we were getting to connection earlier, if there's not enough connection in other areas of your life, sometimes you might get pulled into that a bit too much. Yeah. Um. Oh, and Larry, one more thing. Uh, there's so much I want to say, but um, obviously Netflix, obviously yes. Netflix, very good at this. Um, very flowy. Yes. And very flowy. Um, they. At the very end, this gets to anticipation too. Um, Netflix is very good at keeping you in the state, in the storytelling state that mm-hmm. they, they create because episodes usually of the original shows, they, they end and they create high anticipation and they immediately feed you into the next thing. There isn't that commercial break. There isn't the stop. There right. isn't the, hey, you want to go uh, take a break from all well, of this? And look at how more, more modern shows, not just the serialized shows, but they, they they saw what Netflix was doing with old shows from the 70s and 80s yeah. and uh, and, may, and just engineered to that. I mean, now you yes. look, you watch new streaming shows and when you binge them, I noticed this. I had one series, a, a Dead to Me, which I just yeah. died. I, I have not gotten addicted to very many shows at all, and that's one I had to I had to basically binge it. But it's such a – that flow is so ad- yes. adept because they even cut their own credits short or they make yes. – go. it's almost like they do it themselves and get you right in. And that credit credits, what's that? Absol- absolutely. Right and and yeah. this is, folks, if you, if you struggle with this and sometimes you I might mean, have Hollywood spent... has followed Netflix showing them what, yes. with old shows. So they just make the new ones even better at doing that. Yes. At, at um, a- and, and this is where the technology has changed. The ability to autoplay is the tech, the tech change there where there is no break, where it kind of immediately goes forward and creating that narrative hook where an episode ends with massive anticipation for what happens with the next one. That is, that is storytelling changing and technology changing right. to create more absorbing experiences. And folks, if you struggle with this and you have spent a weekend one well, time just binging, there's a, there's a Portlandia sketch, and I'm not a big Portlandia watcher, but the one oh, I love shows I watch, the one where the couple started to watch a show and Battlestar. They watch Battlestar. Yeah. Like three weeks later, they've all been fired from their job because they're yeah, yeah, yeah. late. Next one. Next one. Next one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a great episode. Um, um, yeah. So the thing I want to say here is it's not you. It's the system, folks. It's, um, I think there's a great Kirk, there's got to be a good Kirk Ooh, speech about this too. Is like, we have created systems <laughs> that get you hooked in. It's not a moral weakness of yours. It's technology has figured out how to overwhelm our most uh, emotional uh, basic aspects of, of who we are. And what's and not to get all, you know, whatever you hear about it. But but I guess there's what are the motivations for doing that? Either just pure out capitalism and profit motive yeah. or, you know, uh, hearts and minds and power. Yes. You know, just raw power. So between yeah. politics and the market, uh, yay! And I, I, we should move on and have some more shows. Let's move it. on. Let's ha- let's move just, on. Can I call out a couple of new names here in the chat? Please, so, please. Uh, oh, I just I just went over that. Uh, so Wardogheim uh, is going back and forth. He's talking about um, uh, Future Shock and Alvin Toffler. 
saying mm. this exact same thing about the future wave is going to happen more and more and technology is going to be uh, crippling to us in ways that we don't get because it's happening so fast, right? And uh, and Pixel Paradise, someone else, maybe pr- these are both YouTubers. Um, and by the way, somebody asked really early, maybe it was Zaheer on Twitch. If we look, we see the Twitch, we do see the Twitch comments, guys. Yep. Um, but Pixel Paradise says was ta- saying yes about algorithmically sharing. Says I notice when I don't like a post of someone who usually posts something that they do like, Facebook will keep posting it to their feed until they finally yes. do click like. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and and yeah. that when I first mentioned Taste of Armageddon, they thought Pixel Paradise thought of fa- thought of Facebook. Like in the sixties and seventies and eighties, we'd watch Taste of Armageddon and think, "Ooh, wow, computer war." Ooh, wow. Yeah. You know, that's science fiction-y. That's Twilight Zone-y. And, and to see it through the light of my, again, to see something through the light, let 20 or 30 years go by and let culture, let you see an original story in a different lens. It's just as powerful, but now you have a whole new, you know, that's part of the greatness of Star Trek, but yeah, like Shakespeare, um, but I didn't say that. Um, you know, every new generation can apply the same truths in a different lens, but yeah, yeah so the, many episodes. Um, and I wanted to, um, I like this comment from, uh, Karen, um, Hinckley where she said, um, that we are so manipulated, some good, some bad. And I, I, that gets back to that quotation that's, that I, I've really been thinking about a lot is, um, it's hard to know if we're going towards a dystopia or a utopia because both things are happening simultaneously. I mean, Wikipedia is mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing source of information information has become democratized in a way that was uh, larry when in the 90s everyone is talking about the information superhighway and how this is going to change everything we have the information superhighway now and at the same time simultaneously we have we have the availability of all the information in the world at your fingertips and we have your pocket for all the misinformation in the world exactly and both are playing out at the same time karen i love your comment here we can nudge people in small ways like you can nudge people to save more money for retirement you can nudge people to make healthier decisions you can also nudge people towards um feeling worse about themselves getting stuck in a product um, both both those things are are possible. Not and getting both of those is, things. Those are those are sidious, but the insidious things are like. And I go back to the social uh, dilemma again. The bit about like teenagers not getting as many likes, as if there's not enough to be insecure about being a teenager in the right. 40s or 50s right. or the 1850s. Now you can be insecure in mass globally with thousands of people looking. When you don't get as many likes or your Instagram photo doesn't get as many likes as your best friends. And it happens over and over and over again. And it's, you know, it's like, yeah, this is it was one where... just to not get a, da- a dance at the dance and be a wallflower. That was yeah. bad enough. But now the whole world can see it. <laughs> well, and this <laughs> is where, over. Larry, I think you and I are very fortunate that we did not have to grow up in an era of social media because you're, your brain is not finished developing until your mid twenties. Your, it's normal as a teenager to make dumb mistakes, to try out different identities for them not to click. What was not normal is for your temporary mistakes then to live on right. on the internet, to, to get, um, 
to get scaled up in a way that the whole school can see, um, for bullying to now be able to continue. Larry, I'll never forget this. This is who knew the first all the time- blackface parties in the South would lead to so many politicians. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, a reckoning. Your school yearbook. I mean, you know. I mean, a reckoning now that's, that's happening of, of all of this. You know, the one thing I, um, the first time I really realized how different my childhood was from what's happening now, um, I, I, I was treating a, a young patient, um, a middle school age individual who was being bullied at school. Um, and in my appointment, in the, the quote-unquote sanctity, the safety of my office, these kids that were bullying him, they figured out how to make new phone numbers and new accounts, and they created en masse new Instagram accounts that he wasn't able to block enough quickly. He wasn't quickly able to block all these accounts, and they kept bullying, saying all these horrible things to him. Are they and, like doing a resume for the Russian Internet Bureau or whatever? The massive. I mean. That's what the I mean, that's basic. What the that's act. what they do. Yeah, and then Larry, so they kept literally. calling him. They kept calling him over and over and over again in my appointment to harass him. And um, this this poor kid did not know what to do. And the way a lot of social media companies have dealt with this is, well, it's the responsibilities on you to report these people so we can ban them. Well, folks, that doesn't work if you are getting yeah. harassed by hundreds or thousands of accounts, or in this case of my patient, by like three, four people. Like they were just sitting around somewhere, like deciding, hey, it'll be so much fun to torment this this other kid. Um, it's not on you to report all of this. These platforms need to make it a safe place yeah. for all of us to be around. And, and that that has really lagged. Um, not that I have strong opinions about this by any means. There's uh, I... <laughs> Jason Stoltz has a comment here, and it's like we've opened the hailing frequencies, but I'm sorry. As predictable and easily manipulated as hum- – this is at 1040, by the way. As predictable mm-hmm. and easily manipulated humans are, no technology or algorithms can mimic the free choices and randomness we have offline. So as tech increases in our lives, it becomes a question of learning how to integrate this brave new world of tech into our lives successfully. I can't imagine how a time traveler in Trek would be able to mentally adapt and cope with all the changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, who said that comment, Larry? Uh, um, Jason Stoltz. Jason. Jason, I think that's really well said. And, um, you know, I, I live in Silicon Valley. I work for a mental health startup. Um, technology is a big part of my life. And I really believe that we're not going to get anywhere here with this, Jason, until we have um, some regulation and requirements of technology. Um, it is the only major industry in the United States that is not that has no regulation. Air travel has regulation for safety. Um, automobiles have regulations for safety. You can't build an automobile without um, uh, pollution checks unless you're Volkswagen and then you get caught and then you're in trouble. Um, safety belts, airbags, there are – It's a, a making an automobile is a heavily regulated industry because that protects the public. There are no regulations at all on – your information, how your information is used on privacy, on how tech companies can manipulate the way you feel, on how they can share data. Um, I, the things I have learned working in tech now about how much companies are easily able to track, uh, track 
who you are across the internet, what you buy, what your interests are. It's, it's, it's wild. Uh, Larry, uh, many years ago, um, Facebook bought, um, a VPN company out of Israel. And you might be wondering, why would a social media company buy an Israeli VPN company? VPNs allow you to have virtual private VPN. networks. You can, okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah they, they allow you to log into a different network. It, it basically is an easy way for you to be in America, but log into, uh, make it seem like you're a European account, and then you can watch, uh, Star Trek Discovery on Netflix. Um, Things like that, right? Or you could watch Lower Decks. Um, in, in you can be in Europe and log into America over a VPN, and now you can watch. Can Lower I Decks, apply right? that to watching Lower Decks in Europe? Yes, yes, you could if you wanted to. Okay. That's also possible. Um, why would Facebook want to buy a VPN company? Well, what they did, Larry, is they bought the VPN company so they could see where people are going on the internet and they could identify in the countries where Facebook is not popular, where are people going? What networks are they using? That's how they found WhatsApp and that's why they bought WhatsApp because the, that they had access to data that showed them this other company is challenging you in these other markets and then they bought them. There's no regulations anywhere around what tech can do and until we change that i think people like you and me and everyone here we are we can't fight these larger systems that are created that manipulate how we're sitting ducks we're sitting ducks yeah 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 you need to have some prime directives on what is being developed and company we don't know we don't get it yet now yes. we're getting there, but until four or five years ago, people didn't get it. You had the visionaries who understood this, but other than that, average Joe in the street who was de- having it marketed to them all the time, yeah, didn't, didn't understand. Um, yeah. Pixel Paradise says regulation adds to cost, then cost becomes prohibitive. Well, when everything we most of the stuff we use on the internet is free, uh, Gmail is free, um, social media is free, mm-hmm. and um, what's Gateway funny about track. this. Yeah, I mean, what's funny about this is you think you're the user. No, 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 no. You are what's being sold. Um, y- your information is what Facebook is selling to advertisers. Uh, Facebook is in the advertising business, and um, there there is a strong um, strong consequence that we we are now all facing as to uh, never having paid for any of this. You know, Larry, there's only. Um, uh, this is another quote from the social dilemma. We keep coming back to this. Um, there's two industries that call their customers users, drugs and technology. <laughs> um, oh, yes. I'd forgotten that. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Makes a point. Hey, how about some more episodes? Uh, Let's get back to some more Star Trek. Here. How about how about some Star Trek here? Yeah. But this is this is such a brave new world here. A lot of us haven't, you know, again, we're still figuring out, the, which is why we're all sitting ducks, why we're all such prime targets we haven't thought through all this this hasn't washed over us individually or as a whole um here's here's one um we were hitting some of you know, we said arsenal freedom you said arsenal freedom um yeah 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 um, um here's one though here's one that we didn't talk about and i occurred to me and talk about dev- uh, mental health devils do oh yeah this if is you a good um ardra as a con man who's using technology she's using the the pretense of being a god and this otherwise 
well-adjusted, you know, post-warp, we can talk to them society, no, no prime directive worries, but they still fall prey to this person saying that they're one of their ancient gods come back. Um, it's almost like a more a, a malignant version of the clone that the Klingon clerics raised of Kalos. In, it, might, it might as well have been the same thing. Yeah. Except yeah. they weren't nefarious. The clone of Kalos wasn't trying to, you know, make a buck off of the Klingons. But it's the same kind of. That just dawned on me. But she, they have to expose. This is just another technology user who happens to have who happens to have done research, you know, on their planet yeah. to come in and push all their buttons. Literally. Yes. And yes. then they expose them. But it, but that society was ready to hand over its freedom for this old fear. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I didn't think about that until, um, you sent the images here, which I displayed. I really, I love this episode. I'll put that image up again. I really love this episode and I never thought about it as a technology mm. story, but it absolutely is. And now looking at it from a 2021 lens, I see it very differently in, in terms of how technology can be used to really um, turn up the dial on fears, how it can be used to manipulate large populations in elections, especially. I think um, I'm onto something here, Ali. The reinterpretation. I think you're onto something, Larry. Yeah, because I think you're Devil's onto something. Do, well, the whole point of it was just it was just an updating of the Devil and Daniel Webster, or the Devil went down to Georgia. If you're a big mm-hmm. Charlie Daniels, you know, I mean. But now it's like it's not just enough to say they made a deal with the devil. It's like, but who was the devil really? Oh, the devil was manufactured. Oh, just like Facebook. I'm, you know. And um, the um, and news and media and yeah, sure. um, and, and and just in how how easy it is now to uh, with technology like machine learning. Machine learning is taking a lot of data and being able to link different variables together and understand how these things are connected. Now it's very easy to pick a group of people and see, okay, what messages resonate with them and sort of back engineer a platform that right. you can use to really appeal to these people right. in very much the same Target way that Ardra them, does. I think we should say. Target them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Linda kind of says it well as Ardra is a flimflam man, which I, I love. I love the reference here. Um, yeah. And a lot of, um, a lot of our tech can allow for what Ardra does in a very simple way without as much flash as the whoosh. All the changing uh, and uh, that she's able to kind of project. Um, it's not as flashy, but it has the same effect of profoundly changing the emotions of a society and leading them to one direction or another. Uh, that's a great pick, Larry. Not one I would have really. I, well, about. I was looking at titles and thinking, oh, but I was again. I'm thinking. I was trying to think more of like societies being affected broadly, not so much individuals being affected like one to one. Even though the effect. They may be one of a group, but the story focuses on one versus the story focuses on, you know, the planet of the people scared by the fake god. But anyway, how about, Larry, a positive example? We we've uh, we've, there are none. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're experiencing one right now. And I think there's a wonderful episode. I think Jared mentioned this very early on. Um, Oh, that's the wrong one. 
Um, oh, no, that is the right one. You picked a very interesting image to use of this one. Uh, probably the, the least positive part of that. What? 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 I'm <laughs> the blind. sound of her voice. The We're sound of her voice. Here. Oh, well, to me, the, okay, the point of the whole sound of her voice is that they, well, you'll say this. When I think of the sound of their voice, it's like the whole disappointment and, oh, she died and this was all big disappointment. Let's give her a funeral and remember her. That's the sound of her voice to me. But okay. The sound of her voice to me is how magical and profound it is in Star Trek that they can instantaneously have communication across space. And the sound of her voice also mentions across time as well. And now while we can't have communication across time in the way that they can in Star Trek, we can across space. Like right now, you are in Southern California. Oh, that. I am in Northern California. People here are, um, we have, we're having conversation across continents instantaneously with the exception of some, uh, you know, internet stuff that kind of happens or the international state um, line but yes yeah but we um it's it's amazing that we can have this uh instantaneous connection and this is the more utopia side i find the sound of her voice to be a very um very uplifting. hopeful it's yeah. up i find it uplifting because the crew of the defiant were able to keep um to give some connection to someone else who would have never been able to have it because of how alone she was. And yes, while we find out that she's died years ago, the crew of the Defiant was still there to give her connection and to keep her memory alive going forward, to give those last moments of her life some meaning. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, you no. know, like, I mean, there's a strong parallel here to COVID-19 and how mm-hmm. alone and isolated mm-hmm. people are in ICUs. And the only connection they really have in, in some of their unfortunate last moments is because of the Internet. Yeah. I, I see it. I see it as incredibly hopeful and optimistic. It's almost even though like it has that there's a whole new lens to apply to this episode years later. <laughs> yeah, that's. Yeah. That is the most amazing thing I am finding about Life Support Live, Larry, is these stories have such um, staying power and new ways of understanding them, like like devils do. I would have never have thought about that. And I love that episode. That is the beauty of Star Trek, folks. You can keep coming back to it and get new meanings out of it. And I'm sitting here thinking that I was I, I struggled a little bit to come up with today's K3. Stay tuned, everybody, for the K3 factor. But I, uh, I just dawned on me. I could have done a whole K3 just on, on, um, Ardra. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we did Deep levels. Space Nine. Um, yeah, we let's do more Deep Space Nine. Um, oh, here's, and here's another one that I didn't mention last night because it's the antithesis of this. The effect of mental health, the effect of technology on mental health. What about the effect of running away from technology on mental health? And boom, paradise. Oh, oh yeah. What about the effect of trying to get away from technology's bad effects perceived? Yes. Uh, yes. And, and how that, you know, when, when her colony, her little colony has awoken to the fact that, that, uh, what's her name has been tricking them, that half of them, some of them are like, oh, thank you for saving us from this. And the other, I could have been with my grandkids back on, you know, Mickey Mouse three or whatever. I mean, yeah. 
You know, yeah. there's a there's a pendulum swing even to trying to deal with the negative effects of technology, and you do wipe out the positives or the oh we can deal with that. You know, the yeah. overreach, overarch, which I thought was interesting, but that's a mental health reaction to technology. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that's that's um, that's also like Devils Do, not one I really thought about until you sent these images over, Larry. And I think that's a really great point. Um, so many people okay. right now talk about, well, I'm going to go on a little cleanse, a technology cleanse. I'm going to take a week's break from social media, and it's quite difficult to do that. It's um, so much of how people communicate. Like the only reason I'm still on Facebook is number one. Um, if you're, if you make any content, like as you and I both do, you kind of need to be on the platform to be able to share it with other folks. Mm -hmm. But the reason why I still have a personal account is there are some people in my life where if I wasn't on Facebook, I wouldn't be able to see their updates or be in touch with them because that's the only where, only place. I would be able to tell 18 people a day, happy birthday, even though I never would (laughs) have. I would have kept telling <laughs> twenty people my whole life happy birthday. You know, now I can tell five thousand people every day. I yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to take a break from these things. And then there's also cultures like in, in the United States. A big example is the Amish culture, which has sort of um, decided that we we're gonna stop right here in terms of technology development and we're gonna live our lives in a more traditional way when it comes to technology we're not gonna use electricity we're not gonna use any of this sort of stuff um and there's a lot of cultures and a lot of religions around the world where they do take um more of a hard line on on technology and what they use and when they use it and how they use it or their governments do it for them or the governments do it for them. Yeah, um, uh, North Korea is one that comes to mind, and the consequences there of uh, various um, states of Middle Eastern countries and China and Russia, and yeah, the great the great firewall of China, exactly. Yeah, um, <laughs> I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, that's a great episode, Paradise. Um, I think we need to get into a little bit of Voyager here. Yeah, and yeah. Um, there's one that's come up in the in the comments, and one that you uh, mentioned as well to me, Larry, and that's the thaw. Um, let's, which didn't uh, occur to me at first until I started thinking last night. Yeah, I think we did less planning up front, and I was like thinking about. I actually had to think this week, Ali. I want you to know, I was sitting there last night. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, that one. I love everything you've come up with um, for for today's episode. Now, this episode is very scary for me, or at least it was when I very first watched it. Um, what's the tech connection here, Larry? Well, I mean, everybody comes away from the thought thinking of the clown. You know, mm-hmm. was, it, was the clown Lenny or was the clown Squiggy? I forget. Anyway, Michael <laughs> McKeon. But it, the whole thing was it was the personification of a virtual reality environment that was connected to some people's brains. You forget what. And, and I was going back and reviewing. It's people who were trying to survive a planetary environmental catastrophe and they went underground and they had to outlast some, you know, toxic nebula or something or a sun, a solar flare. They had to be in, in suspended animation for, for, in cryostasis for 15 years. And so they just took up a thing to keep their brains active. You know, they did the tech and there were only 15 survivors, which was helpful on a, on a, you know, pod budget, uh, pod building budget. But of the survivors, what happened was the algorithms and the support mechanisms they made took over became a self-sustaining entity that, you know, 
created out of their fears of dying, I guess, is what the, the negatives want out. And so this whole virtual environment to the point that it would not let them – they were four years past their deconnection. When it was safe to come out, come out wherever they were, the, this this crown persona, this cr- clown persona uh, wore a crown. And all the people that inhabited it, it was like it was a bizarre, you know, thing because it's made up of their subconscious. But it was very real in that if somebody wanted to leave, they would, in this virtual reality, like threaten to kill them or kill them, and their yeah. body would react. And they and they finally pulled out a threat. The the leader of them that we saw at Voyager, of course, the super techies, all figure out a way to virtually get hooked up and go into the same environment, and then they and then they're trapped. And then the doc, they use the doctor to get in because he's off the grid. And they finally do defeat this and shut it down, and they're able to rescue all but one of the, the people who had been afflicted, these survivors of this world, which to me seems like they'd be way under the gene pool and would never have any hope of repopulating <laughs> anyway, but that's just um, – but the, it was the, the gruesome climax is when the leader of the group, they find – they have a guillotine, which is pretty terrifying yeah. of all the ways yeah. to kill someone – and the real life body in the pod has a heart attack and that, you know, it doesn't lose its head, but it has a heart attack and dies because of the, the neural connection. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like it was like uh, neural interface uh, um, terrorism. I mean, you know, that you created yourself out of your own mind and your own fears. And that was that was the point of it. Our fear, you know, and then uh, Kim is even cha- channeling FDR and trying to say the only fear we have is fear itself. And, you know. You know what? Um, You're back to OK Corral gunfight uh, territory. Then <laughs> the um, the thaw is um, it, it's it's quite a scary episode, and um, I think it's it's such a bold episode um, so early yeah. on in Voyager two. Was that a season one or two? No, episodes? no, no. It was like it was like late two or three at the latest. But it may yeah have... yeah. It's still um, it was still earlier on in, in Voyager. Yeah, and second season, late second season. Yeah. Um, to me. To me, the thought when I think about it, it's um, there is this tech angle, of course, but it's also Star Trek. Uh, it shows the diversity of the stories that we see in Star Trek, where we have these. It feels much more like Twilight Zone, and um, it feels like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror. Uh, it feels like a little bit of of both of those things, and that's something I love about Star Trek. Is there's it's a big playground. We can have episodes like The Thaw. We can also have very silly, fun episodes, which, uh, um, Voyager does as well, um, which all of them do, uh, very well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of if there's any real world technology right now that is similar to the thaw. Um, and I'm kind of drawing a blank, uh, but maybe that's because, again, I was so freaked out when I first saw this episode and my mind's like, <laughs> don't go there, Ali. Don't, don't do it. Um, well, Larry, it sure gave the crew a chance to use all those paint colors they'd never ever use. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Palette, all that unused paint sitting around for thirty years, they finally got to use up that leftover '80s stuff, '90s stuff. Um, uh, there's, um, <clears throat> I'd love to talk about two of the more recent um, series, and then maybe we can kind of move forward in the show. Yeah, I, I, uh, that's Voyager. Uh, you know, another one, real quick, was Lineage because the technology being able to change. Oh, sure. Maybe gave, yeah. gave Balana all, that was a case of individual, but she had all kinds of stress. If she didn't have the technology to do genetic manipulation, uh, she never would have been so stressed out about the, she might have still been stressed out about it, but she had a whole new level of stress because of a tool. 
Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. And so there there are real world and and near real world um, parallels to that. Right now, um, cosmetic manipulation, um, cosmetic surgeries are at the point where you can you can very much change the way you look to match. <laughs> what your ideal of beauty might be. And a lot of American ideals of beauty have uh, been broadcast in so many different parts of the world where people are trying to change the way their eyes look, the way their noses are shaped, um, their skin color to match these larger ideals of beauty, which is something I think Bellana is experiencing as well with her Klingon ridges and the way she was um, uh, teased and bullied and her sense of her body image and her uh, her worth. So there's those real-world parallels. And there's also the near-world parallels with genetic engineering and technologies like CRISPR, um, the long-term consequences of, well, what's going to happen if we can genetically alter at the point of conception or near conception how people look and what will happen? Uh, Gattaca is a wonderful movie that explores this in depth about designer babies and what's the consequence to a society where you can change your um, your genes. Uh, so great, great find as yeah. well, Larry. Larry, you pulled some really anyway. great. Well, great it was here. you made me think, and it was. It, I'm sorry about the image. I'm reading now. I'm catching up in chat, and everybody was like booing me for sound of her voice. But I, like I've said, to me, the sound of her voice is. <laughs> The Twilight Zone reveal at the end, and she's not it, really alive. It is. She it died is that too. Years ago. Oh, <laughs> I mean, but that's the, that's the yeah. The whole build. They fill up forty minutes of everybody getting off and getting an oar across the long distance, and we're coming to. The, it's a Star Trek. We're coming to rescue. We're coming to the rescue. We're. Oh, <laughs> you died twenty years ago. Wah wah. Okay, that's that's under. But I love this show. I mean, it's an awesome show. They do hook you in. You're right there with them. And the actress too is so um so fantastic. Yes, yes, um, yes. They give her credit for all the voice work, and she's yeah. Uh, um, to yeah. let's let's go a little uh, a little silly, and then we'll kind of wrap up on um, on Star Trek Picard. Uh, but let's talk about oh, lower yeah. deck. So I yeah, so so we were going well. What about Discovery? And if anybody has a Discovery angle, please throw it in here. But uh, and I yeah, I mean, there's obviously lots of ways technologies affect. But as far as like being a story point, I, I'm sure there's one there. But I was getting tired at two in the morning. But um, but Lord, and I and I was blurring them all together. Although with the exception of Picard, we've got that coming. But Lower Decks, it was like blah 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 blah. Oh wait, because <laughs> I can handle two birds with one stone. And have you got it up? Did you put it? Yeah, up? I just displayed yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. Look, it's Landru Part Two. It's like yeah. not only was Landru. I mean, it gets the Lord X treatment, but it's like not only was Landru addicting for that controlling addicting, but he came back. <laughs> it, it cycles back. And one guy and the guy in the scythe. I just love that. <laughs> but that's a that's a comic line for just because we get away from something addictive or harmful to us. That's it's so insidious. You know, Landry was just as good as, um, I don't know, cigarettes or, or Facebook. It's something that you dropped. Yeah. You know, or that cult you were in. <laughs> yeah. And you cycled back, whatever. Uh, uh, I think, well, you mentioned cigarettes and smoking, um, and vaping now. So it's, you know, that's, yeah. um, what, what's great about that moment in Lower Decks is if you don't make the cultural and societal and systemic change, we're going to be vulnerable to those exact same problems again. They still dress the same after a hundred years. 
<laughs> Little dirty. Like, um, uh-huh. you know, they, they turned off the computer and they stick on that sticker, Starfleet, do not obey, right? Um, but th- there wasn't the larger cultural change that was needed to happen. And so they fall into the same pattern again. So I, I think that's, that's, that's a little both... sign of Landers name on it, just in case you forget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's lower decks being both very funny and, having some good commentary yeah. as well. Shorthand um, commentary, bang, yeah. Shorthand, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, the, you only have 25 minutes, Larry. Yeah. Um, and it's Picard. Organic pace on Lord X, have you noticed? <laughs> so let's let's talk about the about Star Trek Picard. Yeah, yeah and, that's what you secretly wanted to talk about all day. Well, We need to move I could, along. I, there's a lot I could talk about but all day today. People, guys, just in case you didn't realize this, if any of you happen to be new... We have a structured show. We've, we've been doing our, our briefing room here, and Ali goes into the counselor's log and talks about cases. But you have been counselor's logging all day already. Uh, I yeah, think. I know. There's a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of counselor's logging today. Um, but the only thing I want to say about uh, the image here I've got is of these synths that, uh, Siths, uh, not Siths. That's the other one. That's uh, synths. Uh, <laughs> who are, are, are sort of the disposable. <laughs> They're the disposable labor that is doing a lot of the grunt work at Utopia Planitia, uh, uh, the spaceport, not the spaceport, the shipyards on Mars. And, um, I did want to draw a parallel here to how technology has created in, in the cases of, uh, Amazon, for example. Um, there is now an invisible workforce that you do not see, but is behind in places like the United States, you press a button, you can get an Amazon delivery, depending on where you live, the same day, the next day. There are a lot of consequences to that behind the scenes mm. of the workforce that is... Um, especially in is, a pandemic. Especially in the pandemic that is making those low costs possible for you. But you do not see, we do not see, these are not brick and mortar It's like we've uh, got our own uh, Chinese, Vietnamese sweatshops right here. Uh, And around the world. Shopping to make it, there's, well, they are. I mean, sweatshopping to deliver it. You know, the criticism that Apple got with um, it's the employees that are constructing um, the phones. And we, we don't really see Mm -hmm. all of the labor that. Yeah. That contributes to the technology we use every day. Uh, and I think that's that's an angle of Star Trek Picard that I didn't think about until you and I were, were talking. Out of sight, out of mind. Out of sight, out of mind. Mm-hmm. And um, and now that in Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Picard has like a lot of different storylines when it comes to tech. But this one, I think, was uh, is one that has a strong parallel to right now, every day. Um, what happens to an invisible workforce that is... 100% the technology is 100% reliant on them. Uh what happens when they're trying to mobilize and exercise some basic human rights and employment rights and labor rights? Amazon has very much squashed any organization of its labor force for this exact same reason that we see in Star Trek Picard. The treatment of the synths and um is not good. Um similarly, you know, folks have to walk miles in these uh, factories to be able to take a bathroom break they get 10 minutes to take this break the treatment of the workforce is really um <clears throat> you know we, we call them essential workers but we treat them as anything but you know larry yeah. and it's um, so, um it's, yeah the it's, irony uh, of that uh yeah 
Yeah. Uh, there's a comment here uh. from Jason Stoltz back at 1115. Uh, Jason said, uh, in the Enterprise episode, they left uh, a communicator behind. Imagine if they accidentally left a social media website behind. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'll see your translator and raise you, uh, yeah, cultural. That could be here. a great Lower Decks episode. I could see them. Well, you know, I don't want to cross season. streams here, but uh, one thing that the Orville did in first season was they did their, and I can't remember the title now, but they did their great commentary on social. It's one of the first times I actually took the Orville seriously. Was what mm. they did a social media. They basically did the social uh, dilemma as an episode where one of their crew jumps into society where everybody is liking everything and your whole, your legal status is depending on, much less your social status is depending on how your likes and, and all that are. And if you do something stupid, you can plunge and everybody hates you and you might even be, you know, thrown in the, in the cooler or something. Um, a couple of great comments here. Charlotte mentions uh, Measure of a Man in uh, Star Trek Next Generation, one of my favorite data episodes, and how that um, previews a, a little bit of what we see in Star Trek Picard. And then um, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Tucker mentions The Cloud Miners comes to mind mm-hmm. with all of this, which I think is, uh, is a great uh, poll right there as well. Uh, and Christoph loves that social media episode of Orville. Um, Larry, should we... Um, uh, do a little brief counselor's log and jump into the K3. Sure. Well. A little, only if it's a little. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just, uh, I've mentioned a lot of different things here today. Um, the counselor's log is when we do a little bit of a deeper dive into, um, what we're talking about. I've mentioned a lot. Um, there's a few things I haven't mentioned that I just want to jump into. Um, one, we haven't really mentioned, um, uh, inhumane online interactions and why that might be, why it's so easy for us to have um, really horrible arguments online. And some of the research on that, it's, it's something called the online disinhibition effect, which basically means when we're online and interacting with each other, it's like the, the brakes are off on a lot oh, of the, what we the say. ODE. The ODE, yeah, not to be confused with the ODN. Don't <laughs> Cross the optical data net with uh, with yeah. this. Um, it's the eye contact. It's it's not that you're anonymous. It's not that you're not using a real name. It's the lack of face to face eye contact mm. that seems to be most predictive of some of the bad behavior that we do online and that we're all capable of. A few other things I want to point to is um, every social media platform you can never scroll to the bottom. Of it, it's an endless scroll. It's a bottomless pit. Is what it is a bottomless pit. And um, you compare this with something like the New York Times. When you use that app, you reach the bottom. And when you reach the bottom, there's a feeling of it's done, and it's easier to put it down. But whenever technology makes it hard to stop, like when there is an endless scroll, it's our our, our mind or, uh, doesn't really register that it's done. Or binge watching of a large series. Or binge watch exactly, exactly. Yeah. So those endless experiences make it easy to stay plugged in mm-hmm. uh, to these kind of things. And the other thing I want to mention that I haven't mentioned yet is um, a lot of these technologies, I kind of mentioned you get notifications and things like Candy Crush that give you the hits right as you're about to leave. The other thing that happens is on, on platforms like Snapchat, um, there's streaks, which are... Um, communication is um uh, they want to keep you direct messaging your friends and they have the streak of how long you've been communicating huh. uh, that's completely created 
to incentivize you to keep coming back. Um, and because you don't want to break the streak. Well, and getting want- the record other things that tell you your face, like your Apple or my, I guess the device, not an app. Your screen time was up 2% or down 2% this week or whatever. Uh, I could have a whole thing about that and how unhelpful it is because there's no meaning and no context behind it. But um, I'll save that for another episode. So I think I've mentioned a lot of what I want to say in the counselor's log. So I'd rather uh, go warp factor nine right into the uh, K3 factor. today. Well, here's a K3 factor. I'm going to split the focus. So if you put up and again, I'm flying. I don't like this at all. Flying, but somebody I said know. technology is spelled differently in the frame. I, I know. Do the frames? Uh, I I don't think it's a frame. I think it's the episode title. Uh, technology is spelled technology guy. Oh, okay. Uh, we are two technology guys. Um, so that's <laughs> that's. I'm gonna retcon that. That 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 was meant to be, folks. That was meant to be. So, yeah, so guys and gals, the K3 Factor is the nod to we take our theme of the week, and I do a deep dive into what I do, yay, yay, uh, into Star Trek background here that we do uh, all, all across Trekland. And K3 is the one mention of mental health in that's, that's emblazoned in canon because it's on McCoy's biobed monitor. Um, but, yeah, so this effect of technology – on society, so I went had to go individualistic because I didn't, you know, the the Star Trek family of creatives, and even as a mass company, uh, something we look at. And I'm sure I was thinking, I'm sure that if I thought long enough, big effects of technology, you know, like the coming of digital. The last year of Enterprise was the first year they were digital, and like a lot of conventions in terms went of shooting? away. Uh, yeah. They, in, instead of film, they That's shot digital. That's why if you yeah. watch, yeah, if you watch, uh, the credits for the last season of Enterprise, um, did I say Discovery? I don't know what you said. Okay. I, I heard Enterprise. The last, okay, good. Then the last season. My mind of Enterprise, heard Enterprise. There's a credit for, um, I think it's Sony cameras. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because they did a deal to get it. They got a deal. Yeah. I know a guy at Sony. Uh, they did a deal to get a cheap rate in return for a credit. Okay. Great. And yeah. I want to say about the Sony cameras. One of the reasons why it became a little bit cheaper was actually because of Star Wars and how Star Wars was making a big push to shoot digitally uh, for episode two and three. Um, so we do have Star Wars to thank for bringing down the cost of uh, digital filmmaking. No, we don't. We're not. Th- no. <laughs> what year was that? Was that like 0204? Early 2000s. Yeah. OK. OK. Well, then it yeah. predates the 0405 here yeah. in the same vein, maybe at the same time they did this anyway. Um, they all went all digital and a lot of the conventional, like I, that just blew my mind. It's like, you mean they're not having to do VHS dailies for all the producers to stick in their v- VCRs and they can just send them a, a file now on computer and everybody, yeah. you know, digitally, there's no runners running around, you know, yeah. with boxes of VHS tapes and yeah. at video village on stage, there's not big honking TV screens and people with a playback machine. It's just. One little flat screen and a couple of little, which is now what you see when you see a director stand at a shoot, right? Anyway. You don't even have to be in the same place now. You can, you can get the dailies around the world. Well, that would be helpful, like in a pandemic sometime or something. Yes. <laughs> um, but the point is that's, that was like an obvious kind of big effect. I was thinking in a personal way, the effects of technology. And, and I thought of two very di- distinct different people and both of them writers. 
Um, and one of them who's no longer with us. But the first one there, I have a picture of Michael Piller at his desk. Yep, I'm putting and, on the image right now. And a very personal thing was as the technology, as our digital, just our, you know, we went from word processors to just computers that would do, you know, anything. Michael, in the old, in the early days, like when they first got off typewriters and word processors, which I think is what Gene and, and Next Generation started with. And I'm not talking about the old original because they were all typewriters, obviously. And they would go to Mimeo instead of the copy shop. Um, but uh, when they started to digitize, everybody was using more people, you know, before Microsoft Word was the predominant word processor, and now there's spinoffs and nobody cares. But uh, WordPerfect was the original yeah. big yep. one, on, especially on Macs. Yep. And people all typed in Word. Most of the writers coming in used WordPerfect. And to, to make that into scripts and use the script, there was an overlay app that was, there was an app called Scripter that had its own codes. And basically any writer could write in, in, uh, WordPerfect and then they would run it, the, the script staff, uh, Jana Wallace and then Lolita, those people. And, and then, and then my wife Janet eventually and the guys on DS9 would run their their mic their word perfect scripts through scripter and use certain codes and convert everything over to so it would look good on a page and all that. So I have all these disks of TNG scripts especially that are in scripter that no, nothing can read now. But it took that. <laughs> but the reason then as time went on and as, as the new kids, the new guys, you know, the young bucks, Ron and uh, Ron Moore and Renee Shvaria and Narain Shankar and Brannon and and Brian all the, as long as Michael Pillar was running the show up until the middle of Voyager, um, they, it, it, you know, technology swung hugely in that 10 years or so. And all the younger guys were wanting to just use Final Draft or they were just wanting to use some, you know, whatever. And let's use, let's pick one and all use it. And as long as Michael was running the show, he didn't want to learn a new <laughs> software. So everybody kept writing in WordPerfect. And then, and then all the script people, I started to say the script girls, which is horrible. All the script department had to keep learning scripture and sticking it. By the early, not the early, by the late nineties, this was like getting more and more problematical. But anyway, it didn't change until the showrunner changed. And then finally it was like, okay, yes, we can do this. But it was kind of a throwback. And then the same token, I've got Ira in there. So Ira yeah, Bear, up that image right now. If you notice the script credits, Ira almost, you know, he had some solos, but he almost always wrote first with Robert Hewitt Wolf. And then he wrote after uh, Wolfie left, uh, about four or five shows in to go seek his fame and fortune on his own. He teamed up with Han, uh, Hans Beimler, who actually used to be partnered with, uh, Ricky Manning when they were at TNG and the rest of their career. And then they split and went separate ways, uh, as solo people. But, but Hans and I wrote, wrote together after Robert left. And part of that was not that Ira couldn't write a script by himself was Ira never, at least back now since he has, but in the, in the DS nine days, Ira wrote totally on long yellow pads. Hmm. And part of the reason that he wanted a partner in the room aside from bouncing ideas off, but you know, he didn't have to, but he kind of got into that was the other person, like as they were brainstorming and writing, the other person was doing the typing. Hmm. And Ira was doing, you know, long. Po now he has since, but at pre nineteen ninety nine. But anyway, but that's it's that's a thing of how different people's different people and their mental health, their work style, their creative ability, 
reacted to the onset of technology in different ways. So anyway, I don't know if that quite gets at what we're talking about, but yeah, the, I think it does. And I'm putting up I the last it, image. I knew it would be something new to 90. I don't know who else aside from seven or eight people I might know would know all this. Well, probably more than that. Probably I'm 20. Up people, the, but, I'm putting up the last image here, uh, the K3, uh, which has the whole, um, has more of the DS9. So the whole uh, DS9, this is before, this was the season that Wolfie left and he's, I'm trying to think. I th- well, I I can't see it to identify it. I should have kept that up. But anyway, but Hans is sitting over at the side, kind of on the chair arm, and yeah. uh, and Wolfie has a goatee, but they all have goatee. They all grew beards together in solidarity for a while. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's second or third from the left. I think. Well, most do we know? See. Do we know what they do now? I imagine it's some version of Google Docs, the ability to to collaboratively write documents. Is, I had. Uh, uh, I haven't talked. We haven't. I haven't talked in depth to anybody on the current staffs, but I know that uh, Juan Carlos Fernandez, who was the last one of the Berman era as, as a script coordinator, is still doing that job, and he started writing himself. And the last thing he worked on was, well, maybe not the last. He worked on Scandal, I know, because uh, that was a Mary Howard show too. But um, he was he was telling me about what the modern era looks like with script flow. There's no paper. Nobody uses paper yeah. except for the day of. And the they do yeah. mini scripts now. No yeah. one gives, you know, big, which is sad. You don't have huge reams of well, even, material. But. <laughs> even script supervisors, um, any set that I've been on, uh, the script, script supervisors all on iPad now. Um, and they're yeah. all, they're all checking it in real time in tablets. And, uh, it's it's amazing anyway, what you can do now. Three. My goal every week is to tell you something you didn't know, whether it's a shock or not. At least it's something you didn't know. So there you go. Larry, I was shooting something like five years ago, and I was reading off a teleprompter. I didn't like one of the lines. I gave feedback. The script supervisor changed it on her iPad. It immediately updated on um, it immediately updated on everyone's script. Including the directors and the teleprompter, it's it's amazing how um, how quickly now things can move. Um, and, it, and, how, and it simultaneously changed the visual effect they did two months earlier in Santa Monica. No, well, and that well, that is something that you can do now thanks to the Mandalorian, um, the the real advancement that they've done in in the the dome real time special effects that they create, which is now being used on Star Trek Discovery mm-hmm. season four as well. Um, another example of us benefiting from Star Wars special effect. Innovation. Well, a way that technology has affected my mental health is it's, it's just like the scene in first contact. It was so cool to go to the model, to go to image G in the model shops and see the models on filming yeah, and yeah. CGI. You go talk about that. And it's a bunch of guys and some gals sitting in front of computers. It could be any friggin' industry in the world. <laughs> so, yeah, it was so cool to see the actual yeah. models up there on stands. But, oh, well. Yeah, I've, I, I, never, I never got to uh, see Image G. I always kind of dreamed of that, uh, watching Next Generation. But, um, you know, seeing the original Enterprise model... You can go to the Titan II Museum in Arizona and touch the Phoenix-ish. <laughs> well, I, um, I never got to touch, but you can... Um, the, the Enterprise... The original 1701, no bloody A, B, C, or D, or E, um, or J, um, you can see it at the air and space, um, um, the main entryway. It's right there, fully restored. It's and away beautiful. right now, but it's only because they're remodeling the entire gallery, but it's supposed to be back. Mm. 
Yeah, the milestones like, of flight gallery. Yeah, right, you right. know, Larry, I, I, um, I lived in D.C. I went to grad school in D.C. And before they moved there, it was in. I, I looked for it one day, and it took me like five tries of asking someone where it is, and they finally told me it was in the gift shop, um, in the basement, in the basement gift shop. And it was not restored, and it was really um, it was, well, hard to it, find. It was the crappy 1990 restoration that nobody liked. And, but yeah. it, that's that's the pen, that's the political win. This is fake. This isn't a real rocket or plane. Why is it even here? Because it yeah. And they've come back around. Thank you, Margaret Heitkamp. They've uh, um, Margaret um, for the back to the realization that the inspirations of real yeah. life scientists and engineers and technologists. Yeah. Is almost as important, which was the original reason the Smithsonian took it. Yes, so, yes, yeah, yeah. And now it's right there in uh, exactly where it belongs to Milestones of Flight. Uh, Larry, I've got a quick away mission for folks, um, yes. and then we'll uh, we'll kind of. These um, are those tips that you offer in light of today's theme. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lot. Um, I've got a lot that I want um, people to kind of think about, and um, there's uh, there's a few things that there's. It's very hard to resist the impact of these uh, big technological changes, but there are very small things that you can do to make your life just a little bit easier. And I'm a big fan of making, uh, of being lazy, of being, um, I feel like you're trying to engineer one of those thumbnails, our, our thumbnail react kind of thing. No, I was just trying to get away from technology for just a few seconds. Oh, I see. I see what you did. I see what no. you did there, Larry. Um, there's a few things that... Aesthetic distance. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of making change, of, of making it lazy, of making it easy for mm-hmm. things to make changes that then have um, continue to give you some benefits. So the first one is on YouTube, on Netflix, on Hulu, whatever you watch, turn <laughs> off autoplay. It's not easy to do. Sometimes you have to go digging around in the settings. Sometimes they'll only let you do it on a computer and not through the Netflix that's connected to your, to your TV. But most of these platforms do allow you to turn off autoplay. And if you're struggling with the binging and the watching of the next episode, um, turn off autoplay and I guarantee you'll have a net reduction in how much you're you're um unintentionally binging shows. Now, if you want to if you want to sit down and watch like three episodes of something and have a good time, go for it. But if you find yourself struggling with that that you're not making the decision, the uh the software is making the decision for you, turn off autoplay and look up how do I turn off autoplay on Hulu, on Netflix, on YouTube, and there's a many guides on how to do that. That's number 1. Um, number two is, um, audit your notifications. Larry, we kind of talked about anticipation and how, um, once your mind is kind of stuck on what happens next, it really wants to alleviate that anticipation. Do not give any app permission to completely interrupt you in your day unless you really want it to. Alerts and uh, notices? Yes. <laughs> Turn get, those off? Get rid of 
all notifications except the ones that are most critical to you. Mm-hmm. I did this a few years ago and it was so beneficial to my mental health because we're giving these apps complete or, uh, permission to go, Hey, stop, 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 stop. You stop doing this thing. Um, this really important thing just is happening right now. There's a deal on Amazon for, <laughs> you know, $3.99 for, for this like shampoo that yeah. you use. Really? Or hey, stop, 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 stop. Great opportunity on Candy Crush right now. Or, you know, breaking news. This thing is happening that's not really relevant to you. I recommend people only turn on notifications for the real critical things. So I have notifications on, on my phone for text messages, for phone calls, and for like one or two other apps that are really critical. I turn them off. For most of my social media, I turn them off for every news kind of thing. I turn them off for every game, all of that sort of stuff. Audit your notifications so it's only the stuff. And email. Yeah, I get hundreds of email messages a day. I don't, I can't, I couldn't keep up with my notifications if they're, if I gave it permission for that. So please, folks, audit your notifications and only give something permission when it's really critical for it to be able to, um, to do that. And then the last thing, so turn off autoplay, audit your notifications. And the very last thing is, um, and you don't have to do this all at once. Pick the thing that, that might give Each you the most Each one of these may take right 30 minutes on its own. So yeah. 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 So just pick the thing that might give you the most benefit right now. Um, the last thing is to really audit your feed. So, uh, really take a good look at who you're following on Twitter, on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Facebook. Um, who is adding? LinkedIn. <laughs> on LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's really adding to, um, to, who's adding value to your life? Who makes you angry in a way that is not helpful? Mm-hmm. Um, who do you want to stay in contact with? Who don't you? Someone earlier mentioned, I get my algorithm gives me just dog and cat videos on YouTube. And that's great. I like that. That's great. Folks, um, take some time. Like I, there's a lot of people I've, I'm connected to on Facebook that I've had to mute. So I don't see updates from them because yeah. of how the po, the posts that they, they post are, um, create, I don't like what they do to my mind. I'm, they make me angry. Okay. They make me upset. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm trying to change. Larry, stop posting all those Star Wars memes on, on Facebook. Uh, no, Larry, I, I follow Larry all the time. Um, but there's, there's folks that I want to stay connected with, but I, I can't see their stuff because it just, it, it doesn't do good stuff up here. So mute them or unfollow them. Um, I mute very liberally because of, uh, I just, I don't want to go on these platforms and I, I don't want it to just, uh, uh, you know, crossfire my, my brain into feeling now horrible, angry and upset. Um, the same thing with like, if there's terms that are very triggering for you, political terms, you can block them. On, on on Twitter, you can block certain terms. There's also browser plugins that you can do to kind of block some of the stuff that might be very triggering for you in upsetting ways. Um, you can also train some of these algorithms. Um, you can train the YouTube algorithm to don't give me this kind of stuff or... Um, you can reset it and kind of start fresh too. So really take some time to curate your feed. Um, when you're feeling good, 
so that you're reducing the chances of some of this more problematic stuff coming up for you at a later point in time. Have so you, these are all good. To, have you done a video on this topic? You should. That's a great idea, Larry. You're Why welcome. have I not done that? You're done. Why have I not done because that? Because first I was going to say, if we had a, <laughs> has someone done an art? Because this is getting techie. You know, we're laughing about it. it takes you 30 minutes. Because they, they intentionally hide this stuff if they even allow it at all. But, I'm literally putting this in my to-do list right now. I, literally? Yeah, right I, now. Look, literally. And don't call me Shirley. But literally, <laughs> uh, I was going to say, is there, is this Google Google bull? So that people we could give a link. Maybe we can put a link on the page to articles that would go through because it is techier yeah. and it's helpful to have a yeah. to-do list and all that. And then I thought, well, here's something you should just do in another award-winning psych show video. Uh, it's a, it's um, a very um, – it's a great idea, Larry. I Are, um, are you I basically it. done with your list? I don't want to cut you off, but there's some – That's uh, Yeah, no. I was just going to recap autoplay notifications and, and curating your feed. Um, that's it. That's all I got. Okay. That's my well, away mission, folks. Uh, here's some. So we're into full bore uh, hailing frequencies here for the last. Let's, few minutes. Uh, let's I, open them up. I ran. Well, in case you hadn't noticed, they've been pretty open the whole show. <laughs> um, but we invite that. No, I, there's a whole slash of uh, a whole crunch here at the 11:27 mark by this timer. So before I ask this one, because it was a repeat, so Nathaniel obviously must mean it. Um, Jesse here, Jesse Taggart on Facebook says, "Hey, on Discovery, there is the Kelvian, the Kelvian tech interface that identified Gray as a separate entity. Mind to display them. Season four will no doubt expand on that. So there's talking about mental health. There's Adira's mental health of having, you know, they well, which they totally exploited. I mean, I mean in a good way as a dramatic device. Then you know the whole thing about being seen, that metaphor, if it wasn't too yeah. obvious for you, but it was fine. They're overdue." Uh, trans and bi people or trans and, and non-gendered are, are overdue. And then Jared chimed in and said, now imagine if that tech were applied to the DAX symbiont, which it kind of was. Uh, anyway, um, seeing all, oh, if it applied to the DAX symbiont, that paves the way for Terry Farrell and Nicole DeBoer to return and the guy that played <laughs> Curzon for a minute. Anyway, talking about helpful technology, you know, taking wacky doodle trill or maybe Vulcan or Klingon rituals and finding some way to, to whatever. Um, but here's Nathaniel asked this twice, very politely asking mm -hmm. again, mm -hmm. it's going to be for you. What do you make of Chakotay's biorhythmic device? The Akuna is that, would that be repurposing mental health tech? By uh, Larry, can you um, remind me about that episode? I am. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to blank. think. The Akuna was the little thing that you know when he did his spirit quests, and yes. he got it out, and he caught me a little off guard there. I was just thinking it was a. I didn't think about it being technology. Hmm. I was thinking it was you know another symbolic doodad in his spirit. Well, yet. um. I don't know if we want to open up this whole can of worms, but, um. Five minutes? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Medications. If we, I don't know if, if we think of medications as, as technology. Um, technology can sort of refine 
naturally occurring elements. But say. there, there's a lot of um, those mushrooms are growing out there without aid of. Well, I, yeah, I actually wanted to talk about mushrooms. Uh, there's um, now that um, some of the limitations, some of the scientific limitations on studying different drug categories are being lifted a little bit. Um, shrooms, the street name for mushrooms, the um, the drug, um, um, they're they're being used. Now in, in studies to treat anxiety and depression and the way they work is, um, for folks who have really treatment resistant depression, we're, we're talking everything's been tried, nothing works, therapy's not working, medications haven't been working. What, um, what some of these, um, more psychedelic drugs do is they take the ingrained, um, heavily used neuropathways and they just kind of give them a pause. And they, um, they kind of open up the possibility for new pathways to be, to be wired. Oh, That's yeah. why sometimes people who, who have dropped acid in the sixties report, you know, having new connections being made, new awareness, new ideas that they never thought of before. So these drugs, um, might be a way to get people to see things in a different light. In, in much the same way that, um, in different cultures have used, um, plants and, um, and, uh, different, um, naturally occurring substances to aid in, in vision quests. So I don't know if that answers this so, question. So the Akuna. Yes. Okay. Was a tech device that was made to replace psychotropic herbs. Oh, the dangers of them away and just purely yeah. get to the, you know, the, the tech high of it. Yeah, Thank you, yeah. Well, there. We, hey, there we go, Larry. A nice they, uh, two-hit combo. The K three of the whole, the whole problematic trying to explore Chakotay's native heritage with a fake Native American guy <laughs> who only brought them trouble, and I mean trouble eventually, and they just thought it was all problematic, and they never went back to that again. So we didn't really delve on this uh, much after that. But this was a very twenty-fourth century, you know. Glinda's uh, cracking me up here, Larry. Mushroom therapy is pretty promising. Mycelia could save us. The the mycelial <laughs> network, um, that might be the way for us, uh, the future here, Larry. Maybe um, your cilia might, but mycelial is not <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're, let me guess. You're coming up from the bottom, right? I'm coming up from the bottom, yeah, in, in terms yeah. of the comments. Uh, Charlotte had a point here at 1129. I thought of earlier, and I didn't get around to saying it, but yes, uh, we're talking about – you're talking about the synths on Mars, but it was the same – we had the same thing with Measure the Man about – Yes, uh, yes. Uh, Andro- since then, when they used to be called androids, and yeah. uh, and then the mock the, the model e, the EMH Mach ones, uh, which I thought was like, oh, they're recycling this story again. But I guess you can never not recycle, you know, civil rights and freedom enough. Um, but yeah, as a <laughs> as a functioning thing in Voyager, oh, we're really going to do the does it have legal rights or not? But the holiday, the holograms, and you saw yeah. the old discarded Mach ones mining, which you know. So. Um- Linda mentions um, block, block, block the negativity, and people are talking about um, ignoring is is a is a great ally on the internet. One thing I want to say about this is, um, and I think a lot of uh, people, especially a lot of Star Trek Discovery fans, have experienced this. Um, there's a lot of documented uh, documented research on if you're uh, if you're in a minority group 
And also, especially if you talk about issues related to my, minority issues. So if you're, if you're a woman on the internet, if you're a person of color, if you're talking about LGBTQ issues, um, you will have a torrential, um, onslaught of, uh, internet trolls sort of coming after you. This often happens. Um, and here's where I think ignoring and reporting and blocking really fails us is um, it kind of gets back to that example I gave about my patient. These five kids were bullying him. Well, similarly, if you go on the Internet and you talk about, hey, I love Star Trek Discovery. I love the disc- uh, the diversity in front and behind the camera. And if you know, you just you just hit with a 100 negative comments, it's impossible to report all of that. It's impossible mm-hmm. to. To try to have a good experience there. So a lot of the social media what? platforms have relied on reporting. And where we really need to move towards is them better capturing inhumane bad behavior before it gets to the user. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can't be the user's responsibility to report hate on the internet. It's like, can we cut so... off the serial killer before they kill people? Like, right, okay, right. we got Jeffrey yeah, Dahmer yeah. with the bodies in the freezer, but could we have done something about him before? Yeah, and, and there's ways there's ways to kind of regulate this stuff. Uh, um, blocking newly created accounts from being able to uh, quickly comment is, is one thing that'll go. Mm. Um, creating trust scores on different users based on how often um, they're found to be engaging in bad behavior. Like there's in a eBay lot of ways. shopping, uh, a, a eBay store. Yeah, you know, there's, have, there's like, a lot like, of can safety. Can you trust this yes. seller? Can you trust, you know, yes. applying that? Yes, to, safety needs to be built in more. And <laughs> I think, honestly, the reason why, Larry, it probably has been done less so is it looks better on a social network when they have more users and more, quote-unquote, engagement. So, again... This gets back to regulation and why I'm so big on, on tech regulation. Yeah. So thank you, Christoph. The episode on Orville was called Majority Rule, Season 7, Episode 1, or probably Episode 107. Uh, yeah, and uh, who is this here? Charlotte says Duolingo, which is the language oh. learning, sends you a picture of the OWL logo all sad and crying if you haven't logged in for your language lessons in a long time. And uh, that set off a huge... The thread making fun of uh, or playing on the hoot and the owls, which oh. I was cracking up inside watching that as it was going by. It's so great when I, you know, I always say anybody who's just watching a Star Trek for the first time now, you know, you say, oh, I'm so I'm so envious to have have that first first experience. That's the way I am with this thread right now, guys. Uh, that's <laughs> that's just who I am. <laughs> there you go. You are such a hoot, Larry. Yeah. <laughs> Don't pollute. Um, every time, this is the second or third week when you talk about anticipation. Is there anybody in our thread that still immediately thinks of the old Heinz ketchup commercials with the Carol King? You know, the anticipate to say how slow the ketchup was. Or maybe it was Hunt's. Or anyway, anyway, it was Heinz ketchup. It's slow good. Because they would have the ketchup bottle up and they'd have a close-up on the ketchup barely. And that whole time Carol King is singing, Anticipation, Anticipation, you're making me wait. I'm 
not well, familiar with that YouTube one. YouTube is your friend, I guess. But okay. Somebody <laughs> else. We've got people in the chat. Anyway, every time you say anticipation, I always want to go. I mean, you didn't have to have the commercial to remember the Carol King song anyway. But yeah, it was a it was a top 10 hit. Okay. Uh, some folks are asking album, about. That was on the album Tapestry, by the way. Which was a number <laughs> Which was a number one when I was first aware of music when I was a kid in slow motion days pre-internet. That was the number one album for like years and number one years for months and months and months. Number one seller. Uh, and then it was Tapestry. It was called spot. Tapestry. You're kidding me. It was called Tapestry. Yeah. And then it was uh, well. replaced by I want to say it was replaced by um, 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 uh, Fleetwood Mac and Rumors, the album. Oh, a beautiful album. Um, well, I thought we were going to get through a whole episode of Life Support Live without mentioning Tapestry. You're welcome. But a- apparently, uh, here we are at the 11th hour. Now I only um, two touchdown passes, and I'll keep that string alive. Oh, wait, that doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> so it's talking about streaks. Uh, so, yeah, we should probably start wrapping up soon, but I'm, I'm going to wing it. Yeah. Old boot owl thread here. Uh, um, Linda says Tapestry was my first album and Karen says I got my water intake for today already uh, a little reference to our drinking game here on um, on Life Support Live um, Larry this episode was actually inspired by a viewer request so uh, a lifer in the community here mentioned uh, do you remember who who, um, who where that request well, came from considering that I took it wrong in the beginning or I had another take on it Somebody the last week or two, I was thought we were talking about social media, digital specifically's effect, which we've talked about today. Yeah. We were going to save that for its own topic some week, and we still can do that. It's not as if it's not a topic that could stand on its own for an hour or so. Well, and as uh, as Christoph says, the 11th hour was the first episode of the 11th Doctor just saying if we run out of Trek stuff. Oh, my gosh, the large tapestry. Of storytelling and science fiction. Forced. It's all connected. Forced. It's all connected. Mine was much... I got you with that one. That was better than... <laughs> yours, just, yours was more subtle. It dawned uh, on me, yeah. I didn't even ha- had, know that's where we are going. Okay, I'm trying to... So I mentioned that this episode was a viewer request. Folks, we are back in this mode of um, new topics that are completely... Um, big open like this or their request from you or they might be specific to something else so let us know um let us know in the comments what what do you want to talk about next it's star trek it's mental health it's helping you to boldly go right now in your own life to make sense of this wacky world that we're living in so we would love to hear what you want us to talk mm-hmm. about next week um we we love topic requests that come from you some of my favorite episodes of life support lives were just viewer uh, recommendations and, from and we've got a long stretch here where we <laughs> go back to our original format idea <laughs> and you know we had we had um part of the original format idea was that we weren't just on a theme, but we actually applied the theme to specific characters, specific episodes. Uh, so we can get back to that, too. If there's a character or an episode or a moment or a piece of technology or a planet or. Culture, Robert, yeah. Robert is saying uh, pets in space. Um, pets in space. Space, space, space. Uh, we did talk about tribbles and um, most of those pets seem to be. Muppet. There's a lot of cats. In Star Trek, and then there's a dog. Are there many more? Pe- no, there's, there's a targ. Dog. More than one dog. 
There's more than one dog? There's number one on Picard. There's uh, Molly. Uh, right. Janeway's Molly that's not with her. There's Porthos on Enterprise. Por- yeah, that's three. Okay. Um, okay. We're getting there. There's probably yeah. something. Probably there's Dog Dog on, on Lordex now who went away, but. Right. Still, right, mate, right, will right. never be forgotten. Um, right. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Life Support Live podcast. We'd love to get your feedback on this episode. I'm at Alimatu on social media. And I'm at Larry Nemechek. Hey, if you like this show, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review. It'll help more people to discover life support. And you can join the community at our Life Support Live Facebook group. If you'd like to learn more about psychology and mental health, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash thepsychshow. And for a deeper dive into all things Trekland, like Portal 47, check out Larry Nemechek's Trekland on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, live long and prosper. Trek well, everyone. <laughs>